The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Amen. Well, welcome here to church this morning. Uh, my name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here, and, and I get to welcome you here. Those of you who are in the room and those of you online, may the Lord bless you as you spend time with us together. And uh, we've been praying that he will meet with you, even as he w- we want him to meet with us. And if you're new or newer for uh, the first, second time with us, You'll see in the chair ahead of you, there's a little welcome card. We'd love for you to fill that out and put it on the offering plate at the back as you leave. And that's where also you would put offering if you'd like to contribute to the ministry of our church family. And there are various ways of giving uh, on our website if you'd like to check that out. And if you're online, also you would find on our website uh, the same welcome card. You can fill it out electronically, submit it, and that way we get to, uh, get to know you a bit. So thank you for doing that. Also, um, we want to uh, mention a few announcements. Growing in Grace, our seniors ministry, has a barbecue a week from this Thursday on the 23rd of June. You can register uh, at the church office calling it or online. And uh, please do that. We look forward after this long season of not having these kinds of, of lunches. Finally, a week from Thursday to gathering together. On June the 26th, that's uh, next, no, two Sundays away, um, we have the high school grad recognition. And uh, there are various ones of you that are graduating from high school. We'd like to celebrate with you and let the church family know that uh, you're doing that. And if you would send the office your picture and your future plans. And uh, that would be really, really good because we can then pray for you as well. Also, on June 26th, uh, two weeks away, we have another newcomer's lunch. We had one in in May, and we want to do another one. Various ones have signed up already. We just ask you to do that uh, if, again, you just want to know more about our church family. gives you a little orientation. It's not the White Ridge 101 yet, but uh, it gives you a little orientation on who we are, and that way you can uh, get to know some other folks as well. So sign up June 26th for... um, a newcomer's lunch. Also, our church family uh, loves camp ministry, and there's various camps that our people have gone to and we've supported over the years. And if you are a person that is working uh, at this, a summer camp, uh, we'd like to help support you in prayer and financially. And um, there is an online form that you, if you go on our website and look, you'll see a form and you can fill it out and submit it. And that way we know what you're doing, we can pray for you, and then uh, we can also perhaps support you if that's a need that you have. So that's the summer Christian camp workers. And then finally, I want to just mention uh, the summer that's coming up. And on this matter, I'd like to share a few things. Uh, we'd like to kind of help you to think about the take us with you theme for this summer. That means that that if there's a way that you're going to be away, you're going to be traveling, you're going to be at a cottage or camping, uh, you can still take us with you. We have online services and and we have uh, various things that you can follow with on on our webpage. And uh, I want to mention the summer sermon series is called Follow Me as I Follow Christ. We are really into a discipleship theme in these years. Starting this fall, we're going to be studying the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with the Sermon on the Mount. We really want to see how Jesus made disciples. And in preparation for that, we're looking at various biblical characters this summer and looking how they were good examples or bad examples of following hard after God. So beginning on July 3rd, we will begin to walk through that kind of a 10-week series over the summer. Um, I also want to mention that it is time for Pastor Kevin to have a sabbatical. And uh, he is going to be away all of July and August. And we've been working hard to cover the bases that he is going to be leaving vacant. And he's been working hard to do that. And so I want to uh, inform you of that. But I also want you to be praying for Kevin. That Kevin Lonell and the family would just really unstring the guitar, so to speak and uh, be able to really uh, refresh. That's what a sabbatical means. It's a rest. And so would you be uh, respectful of that and, and uh, just encourage and pray for him in the, in the next few weeks as he gets ready for that. And in light of the fact that the summer is coming and uh, everybody's kind of hoping for a good summer, 
We have decided that we are not going to be broadcasting all of July. There's five Sundays in July, and we are going to give the teams that work on live stream, on, online streaming and so on, we're going to give them a break. Um, and July, we will be posting the podcast for the sermon right after the Sunday service. We'll be posting the sermons, audio sermons, but you won't be able to watch them. And so... Pray for our teams, the volunteers that are working hard Sunday by Sunday. We just decided give them all of July off and let them refresh and come back in August. And that goes for, as well, the chair teams. Uh, this room will most likely be all summer uh, uh, filled with chairs so that the chair teams don't have to come in every Sunday morning and, and work hard to get ready for the Sunday all of July and August. So again, trying to be sensitive to those that are volunteers and refresh them. And I know that Sheila has been working on trying to staff our church nursery, and it's been really hard for her to find people. We have lots of folks that are saying, you can count on me in September, but until then, no. And so uh, keep praying for that. We'd love to see nursery up and running because when a family comes to church, it's nice to be able to leave that little one in good hands and then join in the church service. But we have had a hard time finding volunteers. You're certainly welcome to talk to Sheila if that's something that God stirs your heart in, in that regard. Um, in the past two years, I've been reading about uh, just what the pandemic has been doing to us. And from a pastoral perspective, I've been sharing and talking with others as well. And I want you to know that this season of time has been a whole two and a half years of sort of what somebody called an ungrieved losses and change. There's been ungrieved losses and changes in our lives. And we probably don't realize just how much we are struggling than, than we really are emotionally, relationally, and so on. It's been thrust upon us, and, and as a result, we're still trying to regain control, I think. I think that we're trying to regain control of our agendas, of our lives, things that were taken away, some more than others. This may not relate to you as much as some. And so a long winter, a long spring, and now we're coming upon summer. And the, the thing that I want to encourage you in is refresh. Enjoy the Lord's company. He loves you. He's going with you wherever you go. And uh, take us with you if you want to enjoy the fellowship of the church online, on audio sermons. If you uh, really want to see a service in July and you, you can't because we're not streaming, you can look at services you've missed in the last year or two. And uh, so take us with you. But be refreshed. You know, the thing that's happened in the last two years is that we've lived with this false, false finish line. We kept, we kept on thinking, well, maybe in a few months or maybe in a few more months. And it was this false finish line that we kept on postponing. And even now, we're probably living with this sense of anxiety that it's still not over with. Something's around the corner. And I just want to encourage you to give your focus upon the Lord. Robert Murray McShane once said, For every thought about self, give ten thoughts about Christ. That's a probably a good ratio. Get your eyes on God. He's the God of the moment. Don't live in the past and don't try to live in the future. Live right now and enjoy this summer and let God refresh you in relationship, in fellowship, in worship, in time in his creation. Someone by the name of Walker Percy said this. He said, to live in the past and to live in the future is easy. But to live in the present is like threading a needle. And I, it, it resonated with me, not because I'm a sewer or a quilter, <clears throat> but because it's hard to thread a needle. There's lots of ways you can fall off things. To live in the present and to enjoy God of the present is what I call us to this summer. I love the, the words of Psalm 90 and 91. Moses wrote these words. He said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. We need to let the Lord continue to be our dwelling place. And then in verse 90, chapter 91, it's a reminder. He says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High 
will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my rock and my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You see, he who dwells will rest. If you do not make God your dwelling place, you will not have that rest, that peace, that ability to stay in the grace that God has for you moment by moment. And so I want to pray for us as we begin our church service this morning. I want to pray that God will enable us to, to, to have him be our dwelling place and to find the rest, whatever it is that you need rest from. It's not escapism. Finding God to be your dwelling place is not escapism. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let us pray together and uh, let me pray for us all as we begin our service. Oh, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> These words that I have shared just now are, are words that have been resonating in my heart because I have been concerned about just how it is that many people are doing, as so many here are. And we know people who are not doing as well as others. And Father, for, for many, this whole two, year, two and a half years has been a real difficult trudgery. And I pray, we pray, Father, that this summer might be a refreshment. And that we might not look forward or look backward in some way of, of, of uh, escapism, but that instead we might live in the now with you, trusting that you are God sufficient for the now of our life, the, the, the struggles and stressors of our lives right now. And this morning, if someone has come to this church service or has tuned in online that is really, really wrestling instead of resting, I ask you in Jesus' name, through the living Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you enable them to come into that rest, to make you their dwelling place so that they can find that rest. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we commit to you the worship that we give you, the word that Pastor Doug brings, and all about our morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God, you see what nobody else sees. You see the hidden hurts. You see the hidden stress. You see the things that we carry around. You see our secret sins. You see our, our joys and our pride. You see everything. And every person that's in this room is precious to you. And I thank you that Surely and truly, you are enough for us. Man's empty praise and the treasures that fade, they're not enough for us. What you have for us is always right and always good. And your presence with us is it really a place where we can rest. And so whatever we've got going on this morning, Lord, I pray that even just right now in this, in this moment, by your Holy Spirit in us, that you would just impress upon each of our hearts that you are enough for us right now and that your hands are big enough to carry whatever we're, we're carrying or thinking about and that you are leading us towards eternity with you, but even through a present right now where you are here with us too. And I pray that you would just fill us with joy and gratitude as we remember that. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so, so much. Amen. We're going to read first from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9 to 13. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And now we're going to read from Romans 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. 
Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my, fa- my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. You guys can have a seat. Thank you very much, Alexis. Uh, my name is Doug Friesen, and uh, I'm privileged to share God's word with you this morning. And uh, I'm wondering how many of you have had an important celebration in the last week or two. Um, I had the privilege of watching my niece graduate with her bachelor's this last Thursday, and uh, I just watched the service as it was streaming. And right after she uh, graduated, the announcer I have such respect for, that for me would be like the hardest job in the world. I'd be so scared of saying all the names and whether I pronounced them right. And, and someone whispered to his ear, because you could hear it on the mic, good job, you're doing God's work. I'm like, that's exactly what I'd need to hear. And, and that's why when Alexis read the scripture here, we actually skipped about 10 verses. You're going to see those names, but some of them are just really hard to pronounce. But they're hugely, hugely important. They're part of scripture. They're part of Paul's most extensive and intimate greeting to fellow believers, people that he deeply loved and had relationship with. His life was grounded in Christ with them. And that's what we have the privilege as we're looking through Romans 16 today to look at verses 1 to 16 and say, why would God choose to put a list of these 27 people by name in Scripture? Something that you and I are probably fairly tempted just to skip over because, yeah, they're just names. But God says, no, it's, it's much more than just names. These are people that I deeply love. These are my children. These have been the faithful workers who have shared Christ with others so that the church could grow. This list is uh, two-thirds are Greek names. Many of them, for me at least, are hard to pronounce. Maybe for you it's not. Um, there are at least seven women mentioned in there, which I think is wonderful. It just shows the whole... the. The Bible is very clear to say both Jew and Greek, both men and women, we are all part of the priesthood of the body of Christ. We are all together one in Christ. And uh, there's 14 names in those 27 that are mentioned nowhere else in Scripture. Just here, Paul's mentioned them. And so when I was looking at this list in preparation for today, I just prayed, first of all, Lord, what is it for me that you want me to to soak in, to think about as I look at these verses? And what the Lord put on my heart were five questions for me to consider, and I'm going to use those five questions to guide our conversation today. And I hope they'll be of benefit to you as well. And the first question is, who would you commend to others? So on this list of people, most of them are greetings, but the very first person mentioned is a lady by the name of Phoebe, and she was commended. Commended is different than recommended in the way that it's meant to be a public praise. It's meant to be something that you're you're telling people broadly, this person deserves to be acknowledged. And Paul chooses to, to share Phoebe first. We don't know much about her. We believe that she was at least originally from Italy, that she was a Gentile, most likely from Rome and going to Corinth because of the persecution there. Uh, we know, or we, she's most likely a widow, and she was very well respected by those around her. Uh, she was very valuable to Paul, and uh, so much so that she was the one entrusted to carry the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. Can you imagine that? Paul coming and say, here, I want you, I entrust you to take these words to the Romans. So she was trusted to do that. And the verse says there, it says, this is verse one, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. And that word servant actually comes from the Greek diakonos. And uh, Paul uses that term 22 times in the New Testament, in his writings. He uses it 22 times. 18 times, translators have made it minister. Three times they've made it deacons. And only one time have they made it servant. That's an interpretation of people going from Greek to English. So just so you know that Paul is using the same word. He's saying she's a, she's a minister, she's a servant, she's, she's valuable to the kingdom of God for her leadership. And so what I want to ask you is, 
What do you base your commendations on? First of all, when you think of people in your life and you say, there's someone who is a man or woman of God, I'd fully commend them to you. Who are those people that you think of? And then what makes you think of commending them? For sometimes, I think we just look at, well, that person does their job well. They have a really good skill set. I think a deeper thing is that person has great character. I trust their character. But as Christians, the most important thing I believe is that we say that person demonstrates life in Christ well. Not just how they think what they do, but also how they treat others. That person shows a spirit-filled life to the, by the glory of God. And so I'd ask you to consider that. Who are the people in your life that you would commend? And I'd ask you to encourage them sometime and just say, thank you for being that in my life. So with that idea of who would you commend, who are you in the Lord? This phrase, in the Lord, which is hugely important, is mentioned 10 times in these verses. Who are you in the Lord? Uh, you know what, we just sang about fear and about, and about freedom. If you struggle with fear, understanding who you are in Christ is key to freedom. I would just immerse yourself in the word of God and say, Lord, will you show me who I am in you? Will you teach me who you have created me to be so that I can live faithfully to that? So in these verses alone, we see a few different things that these people were in Christ. A few of them, Paul specifically mentions, you're a servant in Christ, you're a worker in Christ, you're approved in Christ, you're chosen in Christ, and you're a saint in Christ. So because of what God's done for us, none of these things are things that we do and earn a title. It's because of what God does in us, we live it out faithfully, and people can see that's what you are in Christ. And a key word is saint. Paul describes all Christians as saints. Men, women, Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor. All people are saints. What does it mean to you to know that you are called a saint in Christ? That is the primary term that God chooses to call you through Scripture. I don't think there's any word that's used as often as you are a saint. You are God's children. He loves you, and it's because of what he's done in you. If we truly understand what being a saint is, it should change how we live. Because we know it's not something we've done to earn that title, it's something that God has done in us, and now I need to live from that. I need to flow out of that. I need to understand, Lord, I have been substantially changed by you. I am a new creation. Let God share with you what he's doing in your life, what he plans to do in your life. He has such beautiful plans for each of you and for us as a family because that's just the type of God he is. He doesn't have anything about him that's bad. He just thinks good things, and they're all tied to being in him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a beautiful verse. If you're not familiar with these, please mark them down and read these later on. Colossians 1, 27 to 29. Colossians 1, 27 to 29. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Wouldn't that be a wonderful title for each of us to have? That person is mature in Christ. For their age, for the length of time that they've walked with the Lord, they are mature in Christ, and they will ever increasingly be maturing. That's what I'd want to know. I'd hope that could be said of me, is there's someone who's maturing in the Lord as well. It's a never-ending journey of growth with our Savior. And then the last part, so Paul says, that I may present everyone mature to Christ. That's what I am focused on. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully within me. Do you get that? Paul's saying, I'm working hard, but it's God's strength that's driving me. There's this beautiful union of being in Christ, and that's what God wants us to experience this side of eternity. And to the extent that we experience that, we have the strength of the gospel in our lives for people to understand what the gospel message is. 
each and every one of you and us together as a church, God says, I want to work powerfully in you for my glory and your good. Beautiful verse. Please make note of that. So another question there, who are your co-workers in Christ? Paul mentions a number of people here at least three times. He says, you are my co-workers, you are my fellow workers. Um, Christ says in the Bible, Paul writes in another place, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, that we are all God's fellow workers. Take that to heart. You are God's fellow worker. Whatever you're doing is a reflection of him. Whatever you're doing, if you're a Christian, you are actually doing with him. He is with you all the time. You are a co-worker with Christ. And Paul mentions Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, I'm sure this would have been a, just a beautiful couple. Again, a couple that from what we know, they left Rome, went to Corinth because of uh, just fleeing from persecution. Uh, they weren't uh, outward, they weren't like uh, presenters, they wouldn't go and speak to big groups of people, but they would welcome people into their homes, into their lives, and they would share the gospel with them that way. Uh, we we're told that they met Paul, and right away, because they had the same trade, they were tent makers, they invited him to say, why don't you live with us? And they worked together. Uh, Paul traveled with them on some of their journeys. It says here that they risked their lives for him. These were true, deep friendships, people that he, he truly loved. So in the midst of this, the question I ask myself is, well, how has God wired me to serve? Here I see three people. Paul's gifting is quite different from what I see in Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila, from what I can see, they have a really good gift of hospitality and helps. They prefer to serve behind the scenes. They were able to share their faith very clearly in relational uh, ways, and they just were very much servants of the Lord. So how has God wired you to serve, and who are you serving together with faithfully to, to just make that more well-rounded? For, for example, they're serving with Paul, someone their gifts complement each other. Are there people in your life that you say, you know what, I, I think of serving alone, but I don't often think about who I could be serving with. And also when we talk about serving, quite often we think about the confines of the church and the church ministry. Oh, I could work in sun seekers, I could work in youth, I could be an usher, I could, nothing wrong with that, but this is really about how are we loving our neighbors together. I really think that's what it's getting at, is who are your coworkers? If you thought of that, who in my life I might be struggling with just loving my neighbors myself. I don't know them all that well. You, you might be thinking that. But, you say, but the Bible's saying, who are you loving others with? That's the primary job of a co-worker, a co-laborer, is loving people to the extent that they might ask you, why do you treat me this way? Why do you have the hope you have? And together, in your friendship, they can see the love of Christ. You complement each other well. Priscilla and Aquila challenge us with what a couple can do together for Christ. Think of that. Have you thought intentionally about your marriage, your family, your home? How, why has God given me what he has, the relationships, the material possessions, the places of influence, and how are they meant to be used to glorify him? How can I show love through all those things? That's the key thing when you hear about what God wants to do. He wants to express love and truth. And he wants us to do that together. You know, this week I thought of a couple that we know through partnership from Far Corners Ministry. This is the agency that we work with to go to Northeast India. Shant and Ginny, for me, are a Priscillus and Aquila couple in some ways. They, they've decided to serve the Lord together by caring for our brothers and sisters in Northeast Asia. I want to let you know of an opportunity. Just, uh, just over this last while, they've told us about a, a way that we could help a church family in Northeast East India, in Kalchini. Uh, this church, a pastor and his wife said we, they just had a small home, three rooms, and they started inviting people in their home for church. They used one room to meet, and they started having church. And then around November of 2021, they had about 18 families, 40 people meeting, and they said, you know, we need to make a tent outside. So they made a tent outside, but the weather was always bringing the tent down. It was always getting destroyed. 
around Christmas time, 17 people came to know the Lord through that fellowship from just inviting people into their home. Then the fellowship grew. And then after Christmas, all of a sudden, they had another 18 families. They have more people. And they're saying, well, what are we going to do? So they're saying, I think it's time to build a church. You know what a church looks like for them, a physical building? 18 feet by 40 feet. That's what they want to have to meet with these people so they can meet in a safe place. And so the pastor said, while we were using my house, I'm going to donate the land that we have so that we can build a church there. And they worked it out and they said, well, we just need over maybe $12,000 to complete this building. And so right now they're at a place where they need about 5000 to finish it off. And I just want to let you know that if you're interested, there's a letter just outside the door. There's an article that Bob Fast wrote that's on our website. You could go and you could donate to this project to help these people uh, build that building so that they can meet with their neighbors and share Christ with them. And we have someone who said till the end of June they're willing to match dollar for dollar. So I sure hope that from our church family we could, we could bless those people and get that $5,000 done so they have that building to worship in. But there's the power of a couple who understand that they were co-workers in Christ. Let's just open up our home. Let's have a study. And let's just see what God will do. What might God do if you open up your home, if you open up your lives to serve him? I want to ask you another question. Who do you intentionally encourage in their walk with Christ? Again, as I was looking over these people, this is what Paul's doing. He's encouraging them. Remember, this is scripture. This is scripture. For all eternity, these these people, these names are going to be mentioned as people who are helpful in the sharing of the gospel. People who I love deeply. People who I'm affectionate for. I want to read you uh, this verse from 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'll read verses 9 to 11. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, that means the living or dead, we may live together with him. This is God's purpose in Christ dying and being raised again, is not just that you might be saved and go to heaven, but that we might live together in him, that we might be co-workers in Christ. Then, Then Paul says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. You want to know what one of your main jobs is and one of mine is just to encourage each other to persevere in the faith, to not get weary in doing good, to love your neighbors as you have been loved by God. Whatever you receive, you give. Whatever God gives you, you just pass on to others. You know, I want to mention another couple and I'd This is a newer couple to our church. They've been a part of our friendships for a long time, but Richard and Miriam, uh, I got to know them fairly well about five years ago. This Thursday, I'm going for my six-month cancer care checkup. Five years ago, when I was first diagnosed and I shared with the church that I had stage four cancer, um, they called me right away, and uh, I didn't know them well at that time. They said, please come to our home. And Richard shared with me his journey through cancer. And how through that journey, God just stirred his heart to say, what are you doing for the kingdom now? And he started ministering to our brothers and sisters in Cuba. Beautiful ministry out there. It's amazing what God has done there. And now him and and Miriam, they've been living this way for a long time, but they're making it more formal ministry for our church and, and with Waverly to say, how can we help newcomers who are coming to our church? How can we help integrate them, love them, care for them? If I remember correctly, there are five things. Is that we need to serve people in love. We, we need to develop sincere relationships. We need to share the gospel with people. And if they're open, then we need to disciple them and equip them to serve. Here's a couple that's been a huge encouragement to me, and they're a huge encouragement to newcomers. I know that wherever they go, they bless the people around them. And I want to bless them too. Isn't that the way it works when you have good friends? You just want to be a mutual blessing to each other. And so I want to encourage you as you hear more and more about uh, this, th- their journey that, that we will partner with them in prayer and, and finance and say let's help them love and help us be equipped to better love newcomers to our church, meaning refugees, new Canadians, whoever it is. It applies to everybody. 
You know, uh, with about encouraging, we don't have this in our culture, but Paul says uh, more than one time, he talks about the holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Uh, we might not be all that comfortable in implementing a holy kiss in the church. And remember, it's a holy kiss, right? It's a good, you know, nothing wrong with that. But it's a sign of deep appreciation and warmth and love. It's customary in many, in many countries. The first place that I got introduced to the holy kiss was in Portugal. I was there for three weeks of street ministry. And uh, ah, for the most part, it was only those 65 and above that would be willing to kiss me. But there every now, every now and then, there were some people. Those two people were brother and sister. They were my interpreters for three weeks. Man, did we grow close to each other. And uh, so I don't know what it is for us, but we need to be able to show affection to people in a way that's appropriate for us, but in a way that signifies a deep connection. And that shows to the people that we're around too how we talk about people, how we greet people. Who do you encourage in their walk with Christ? And that leads me to the last question. Who do you experience as your beloved in the Lord? Now, I'm sure everybody on this list was loved by Paul. He wouldn't have put them on there otherwise. But there was five that he mentioned in particular. Epinetus, he was said to be the first convert in Asia. From what we gather, that means Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And then we have Ampelatus. We also have Stachetus. Now, I highlighted him, I wasn't gonna say much, but I find it interesting because on the, in the verse that he's mentioned, if you look at verse nine, it says, uh, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachetus. And I'm like, well, why was uh, Urbanus not beloved? You're putting him on the same line, that would make me wonder about him, but Paul wasn't shy of just saying, this is, when I think of you, this is what comes to mind first. And I think we need to have that freedom as well in our friendships, is just to encourage people with the things that we see Christ clearly in them. And then he mentions Persis, and finally Rufus's mom. That's kind of interesting. It doesn't have her name, it just says Rufus. Uh, we're not exactly sure, but Rufus is most likely the son of Simon of Cyrene, who was the gentleman who was called to carry Jesus' cross. When he was up going to Golgotha, there was a man who carried his cross, and it tells us in the Bible that uh, Simon had two sons, Alexander and Rufus, and this was most likely him. And obviously, Rufus's mom became very dear to Paul, and uh, he wanted her to be encouraged. Again, just imagine if you were sitting and listening to this, and you were one of those names. Can you imagine the first time ever, this is the letter to the Romans from Paul. He mentioned God cares about me, so much so that that would happen. There's another book the Bible talks about, right? The Lamb's Book of Life. Anyone who's given your, name to, your life to Christ, you're in that book. You're named, you're known. God wants everybody on that list. He wants us to share him with everyone so that they might know that he exists, that he's kind and forgiving, and that they might want life in him. I've always loved this verse, these words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. We loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Who are you letting in your life that you love deeply? You know what's hard about loving people deeply? Is you can get hurt deeply. Fear can keep us from friendship. Because I've been hurt in the past. I don't know if I want to put myself out there again. Again. And God looks and says, Doug, as I extend my friendship to you, and you know how you've treated me, and I never give up on you. I always love you. Remember that you're first my friend. Have your confidence there and extend yourself to others the very best of you, the very best of who you are in Christ, give that to others with no conditions. Doesn't matter how they treat you. It feel, it, we, definitely, it, it, we feel that, but, but God says just keep giving. That's the gospel. Question, who do you enjoy a maturing love in the Lord with? 
When you think of your friends, I think sometimes as Christians, we have Christian friends, but they're not much different than the world's. They're probably just a little bit more moral. We don't do immoral things together. But are we intentionally maturing in our walk with God together? And I'm not just talking about, yeah, yeah, we have a Bible study, or yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the way you live, what you choose for entertainment, how you use your time. When you get together, do you anticipate that this is an opportunity for me to meet Christ in you? This is an opportunity for me to share Christ with you. Not as a lecture, not just who he is, what I've learned about him, what I'm experiencing. Who are the friends that you have a maturing love in the Lord with? And for a lot of people, we'd have to say, I don't have many of those. I don't. So where do we start if not in our own church family? to take risks, knowing that we're gonna get hurt at times. But wouldn't this be a great place to say, this is my church family, these should be my friends. I'm gonna risk myself with you because I believe that you have that same desire with me. We're gonna make mistakes, but we can also ask for forgiveness and move forward. I once heard of the word about having, living a God-intoxicated life. Don't get drunk on wine, be intoxicated with Christ. That's scripture. So someone just said, hey, you should have a God-intoxicated life. And I've kind of thought for myself, I'd love to have Christ-infused friendships. I'd like to know that when we're together, there's this back and forth of Christ in us, and it blesses each other mutually. One of the things I, I want to give to you, hopefully you receive it as a gift. You can take one. There's a few copies as you go out the door. It's also posted online. I've gone throughout scripture a number of times and I've just made note of the th qualities of good friendships. And it's a fairly long document, so I just shortened it down to what does Paul say about friendship. And I just want to highlight a few things here. These are the beginning of Rome's, that this is what these are some of the qualities. It doesn't exist in every friendship, but they should exist in some of our friendships. You thank God for each other. You prayerfully desire to see each other. You mutually encourage each other's faith. That's all in Romans 1. So at the start of the gospel, before we get into this big doctrine of how to live the Christian life, it's all about relationship. And then we get to the end of the book and we start seeing on Romans 15, enjoy each other's company. You're in the Lord together. You show affection towards one another. Don't go over that too quickly. We spent like over a year in Romans and a lot of it is just deep theology. And God says, remember, it all starts with relationship. It all ends with relationship. And all this stuff in the middle means nothing if it's not done in relationship. It's all about living lives of love with God for his glory again and our good. So then the question is, well, how do we grow in that? We don't know the answers, all these things, but we're going to take some steps and we're going to trust that God will keep directing us. God doesn't usually direct when you just stand still and say, show me where to go, Lord. We make the wisest decisions we can with what we know and we say, Lord, direct us from here. And so I shared with you and Pastor Terry shared a while back too that one of the things we're hoping is that we can get into a lifestyle where there's a rhythm of discipleship. And at least two times a year, we have a segment of time, whether it be eight weeks or 10 weeks, and we say, we're gonna be on a journey together. We're gonna to focus on this book of the Bible, this section of it. So for example, in the fall, we're going through Matthew, we're gonna focus on the Sermon on the Mount. If you guys want, we've bought these illuminated Bibles. I showed them to you last time. It's like a journal. One page is scripture, one page is open. You can draw on it, take notes on it. But we want you to journey with Christ through the Bible. But not just on your own, we want you to do it with us. We want you to bring that into your conversation with others so that when you go out for coffee or you meet, you can say, this is what I've been learning about who I am in Christ. This is what I've been learning about the character of God. This is the good that I believe God is calling me to, not just the evil I should avoid. So that's where we want to start. And then we want to help formalize some things. For some of you, all of us, we're just saying, I want to get to know more people in the church. I want to develop friendships here. If we all have that mindset, that takes away a little bit of the fear because, you know, just by you being here, you're open to friendship. You're desiring that. And so during these seasons, we want to have what are called discipleship groups. And typically, there'll be three to six people. Maybe there'll be eight. And we'd like to see groups of people come. We just want to come together and share the goodness of Christ by what we've been learning as we're journeying through at this season through Matthew. And I want to share with you what I've been experiencing with Christ.
and let's just share with each other. We want hosts for each of those groups, and the host's job isn't primarily teaching. It's guiding a conversation and make sure that that conversation is always staying Christ-centered. It's not getting through a curriculum, answering all these questions. It's just making sure that it's a Christ-honoring conversation. I'm sure most of you have gone out for supper or lunch, and all of a sudden you realize at the end of it, man, our conversation just kind of went like this. There wasn't anything bad about it, but there wasn't anything overly good about it. So why not give one person the permission to say, you can bring us back. Don't be shy about doing that. Bring us back into a Christ-centered conversation. And the thing that really stirs my heart, and I hope it does yours too, is the opportunity for us to use this space to have a meal together. Uh, we did this before COVID hit. It was called Come to the Table. And again, the backside here, we had 14, 16 tables uh, set up, and people would go there, get their lunch and, or their supper, and kids and adults were playing here with Nerf balls and hockey sticks. It was like a family gathering. And in that time, a chance that you're wearing name tags, that helps a little bit too, but you can talk with each other around the table. Every week you can sit with different people, get to know other people. You can meet with friends again and again. You can invite newcomers here. That could be the first thing you meet someone new. You say, why don't you join me on a Wednesday and come for a meal together? And one of the things we want to do, so that went really well before, and praise the Lord, we already have four kitchen captains who are saying, we're, we'll, we're going to be doing eight meals. So that means those four captains are going to lead to, their teams to lead, make two meals one, one for October, one for November. We need you to be serving on those teams, helping set up tables. We're hoping that people will serve once a month to make this possible. Last time, before COVID, we had just shy of 100 people helping with Come to the Table. It made life really easy. We had really good food, really good fellowship. I can't tell you as a single person how valuable it is to me when someone trusts me enough to let me hold their little baby. That means the world to me. So I hope this will be a place where we not only have fellowship, but we, we have friendship with Christ together. And because we experience it to, with each other, we, we get the courage to want to invite others into that. And in time, we invite our neighbors, our loved ones who don't know Christ. So uh, there's going to be a survey that you're going to see this afternoon. It will come out again next week. It's just called Life Path Journey Participant Survey. We'd love for you to take the time. It will take you three, four minutes. Some of you filled in a very similar survey already when we finished Romans 12. If you don't mind doing it again, we'd appreciate that. But just go through there. And the main things are, do you want one of those Bibles? Are you willing to be part of these groups? This isn't a commitment yet. It's just to help us know how we should plan for the fall. But the big thing is kitchen staff. So we've got the captains, but we need people who are willing to help serve with them and clean up tables. So it's like family chores. Are you willing to help with family chores to help our church learn to love each other? To be a safe place that we can invite others in so they could see Christ among us. So I just have a picture. I don't know if it came up there yet. That's a picture of when we were having the meal. That was two years ago. So this is the last thing I want to say to you about this. What about, instead of just having the meal and before we'd go out and people could just have dessert outside, play some board games, go to a Life Path seminar, just a time to meet. We want to create a space for you families who have younger children that after the meal, that if you're interested, we'll reserve the children's ministry area and go there for seven o'clock and get to know each other. Just let your kids play with each other. Make friends. And for the rest of us, for whatever week you can, we don't expect that you're going to be here for eight weeks. That's a lot. If you can, fantastic. Come whenever you can. Come whenever you'd like to. And when you come, know that after the meal's over, we're cleaning the tables, and at 7 o'clock, we'll start having these discipleship groups. And any table, there's eight chairs around the table. Any place that you see a spot open, you know that you are welcome to sit there. You know that the people sitting there want to know Christ better, and they want to know you better. I don't know if this is going to work. We're, we're giving it our best step. And the only way we know is, will God put something similar in your heart where you say, yeah, I want to I take some reasonable risk within my church family to grow into a loving Christian who really says, this is my family. And we get to know our neighbors and love them to Christ together. I hope we can do that together. And if this isn't it, we'll find something else. We'll keep moving forward to glorify God together. Amen? Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And we are completely humbled, or at least we should be, at who you invite us to be in you.
Father, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to grow in my love of you. I also want to bless them deeply with my life the way you've blessed me. Father, would you give our church wisdom in how to be disciples, people who are lovingly submitted to you, and because of that, we, we don't let fears stop us from following you. We live in faith. Holy Spirit, work in us, strengthen us, give us wisdom, courage, love, everything that's needed to glorify you, to be fulfilled ourselves, and to invite others into life-giving relationship. We ask these things for your sake and our good. Amen. As a closing prayer, I invite you just to let these words from Colossians 3 just wash over you. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanks, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord God, this is our prayer. Help us to mature in you and grow closer to you together in relationship in this family. And bless each one as we go into our week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day.